This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally celebrated, nationally created, from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, Jen, you still have your trucks? Yes. Okay, good. You still have headlights? Do you have taillights that don't work still on your trucks? Yes. All right. When are you fixing that? I've been searching online like crazy. <laughs> I want something that looks totally different. How about you just get else's? something that works? I mean, I just think that would be a good start. Well, look at you. No, but it lights What don't about work. your Lexus? What about it? They yeah. work. They work fine. I just want headlights that look cooler than See, the that's right? okay. Well, it's just one turn signal. It doesn't work on mine. You know what's cool? Mm. Our show today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it made me like, think about that. Mm. Uh, uh, Perry Stern's going to be here to talk about the GTR Track Edition. Uh, we've driven this. Mm-hmm. We have a Supra and a GTR at the same time, and, and you drove the GTR over here. It's my favorite. It did, and I was very disappointed when people came in the parking lot and took pictures of the uh, of the the this the GTR Track Edition, but they didn't take pictures of the Supra. I was like, we can see down into our parking lot here from the from the studio, mm-hmm. and we can see our cars. Uh, which reminds me, I should... Oh, yes, what, are you going to start yours now? I want to see if I can start my truck from here. Hang on a second. I'm going to do this, lock it, and I'm going to hit start. This is what happens when you get Nick, Nick a fob and new cars each week. He's got to play it. with them. Start. There we go. All right, so it'll be nice and warm when we get out. In That's a couple perfect. Of hours. Uh, Perry Stern's here to talk about the Nissan GTR Track Edition. We're also going to uh, talk about the Sentra. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's not all Nissan today, I promise you. We'll talk about the new Sentra. <laughs> uh, this is a vehicle that's really making things move and shake for Nissan, the new Sentra. It is, especially um, with the price point. Um, you enjoyed going to the little uh, lunch mm-hmm. and uh, the little... Lunch and launch. Lunch and launch? Is that yes. what it's called? That's what I named it. A lunch and launch. Mm-hmm. I thought that's when you had bad lunch. Oh, okay. Let's switch it. <laughs> uh, then lunch, lunch, and then launch. Uh, <laughs> lunch the and launch. Acura RDX. Andrew Quaylen's going to join us to talk about the RDX. It's actually one of the best-selling two-row luxury subcompact vehicles on the market. And Elliot Shiner... Uh, did the sound system in the, that vehicle. And uh, you may know Elliot because he produced things like the Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. and uh, Steely Dan. Uh, so he's a music producer. I was like, why is it important to have somebody who produced these artists do the sound system in your vehicle? And it's important because he knows what the original notes sounded like when he was in the studio, and he can make sure they sound exactly the same when he designs a sound system for a car. He's also a really He's got some amazing stories. He won't tell you a lot of the time who the story's about, but he he got locked in a safe once. What? He got locked in a safe because uh, the person that he was doing a voiceover with wanted cash, and he had to send someone to the bank to to get cash, and they locked him in this safe. Uh, it's it's a good oh story. Oh, my goodness. One day I'll tell you the whole... It wasn't like an airtight small safe. It was a big room safe. Okay, but, but still... But they locked him in a safe. Oh, it was a great story. Uh, Debbie for Ford's going to talk about the fact that McDonald's 
um, are working with Ford to take some coffee products and make them into cars. I know, that's so interesting. As long as my car smells like fresh coffee beans, I'd be very happy. I wonder if that would even work. How would that work? Well, we're going to find out we'll buy you uh, on, today, on today's show. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of new vehicles being released from VW. Um, VW have a saying inside. Uh, Johan de Neuschen was at the Chicago Auto Show. And in his speech, he said one of the mantras that they follow at VW is make VW great again. If you look at the sales figures, they are still the number one car company in the world. So I'm not sure how greater the you can be the number one. <laughs> Just saying, Johan, my friend, perhaps you should think about that. Uh, he is, uh, well, they have a brand new Atlas uh, Cross Sport, which I think uh, this this new Atlas is very, very cool because it's uh, the, the Atlas two, three row and becomes a two, a two row and gives you all that extra trunk space. So uh, that's very cool. Uh, the Jaguar, the EV, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about EVs today on today's segment. Uh, Jen would never own one. She hates EVs. She's an anti-EV person, aren't you? Mm, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not an anti-EV person. No? I'm not. I think it, it all depends upon what you use your vehicle for. Yes. And the EV market hasn't expanded yet yet, per se, to my needs. If you, uh, I want to put you in a Jaguar I-Pace. And have you do a zero to 60 test with it. Oh, I'm sure I'd love you, it. Watch you lose your lunch. It is amazing. I drove an, an F-Type. Right. But, but I'm, I-Pace is electric. Oh, I'm sure I'd love it. it it's amazing. It's, it's a, an amazing It's just vehicle. a little out of my price range, I'm sure. And then the other <laughs> half of our auto expert, Mike Cadell, is going to join us to talk about uh, new cars of 2020. What's your favorite car of 2020 so far? Oh, my gosh. Uh, right offhand, I would have to say the Rebel. The one I have outside. Truck. What about the diesel, the Ram Red Bull diesel? Yeah, I'm still not sold you on like, the diesel. Does it matter to you, the big screen on the inside? Oh, I love that thing. It's is 12 it, inches. All, the, all the, the other truck guys, the other truck companies, Ford and GM, were saying, no, nobody's going to care about it. I about do. a big 12-inch screen on the inside. No, you know, truck guys care about capability. And before, no, no. Everybody loves that. I love it. Even the truck guys love the big screen. There's nothing like having big available information for you in a, in a vehicle. Well, we're going to talk about some of the best vehicles for 2020, some of the best choices for vehicles for 2020. Um, and I, I will tell you there's some really, really cool stuff on the market, uh, including the fact that now you can drive your car in and out of your garage with a key fob. Smart park. Smart park. <laughs> you like the ad of the Super Bowl? That was park funny. Ad? But I have um, to admit, I love the Did gladiator. you realize that everyone that did that ad was from Boston? They gathered all the most famous actors together from Boston. That's and amazing. sports players. That's and they And they did the smart park. He, he can't get in that space. He's got smart park. Smart park. Smart park. This funny thing is walking around a Chicago auto show, all I can hear people saying, smart park. I got a car with smart park. Oh, my God. It's that's become, great. You can't say smart park. Without the accent now, when you when you pass a new Hyundai Sonata, which smart park, it's got smart park. By the way, they introduced the hybrid, uh, the Sun, Hyundai Sonata hybrid at Chicago show. Does it have smart park? Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> the, the current one doesn't have smart park. Well, we need but to fix that. <laughs> the solar roof will give you about eight hundred miles, or seven to eight hundred miles on a single charge. Oh. Audi's doing that with the e-tron. You get solar for three years. Wait for the rest of the okay. show. We'll have all that information in the rest of the show that's coming up on today's show on Our Auto Expert. Of course, you can follow us online at ourautoexpert.com. Download previous episodes of the show and send us social media messages. That's all coming up on today's show. <laughs>
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Locally created, nationally celebrated. You can catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. One of the guys that writes for the site is uh, site and is an integral part of the functioning is Perry Stern. He's joining us on the phone. Um, Perry, we actually mentioned, uh, John mentioned, John Vincent's uh, co-hosting today, he mentioned that uh, you, him, and I together would be a quorum of our local press association so we could make some uh, make some decisions. I guess that's true. We could redo the entire thing. Right. So let's start with bylaws. No. All right. You've been driving yes, exactly. the <laughs> you've been driving the uh, the GTR Track Edition from Nissan. Uh, this is starting to become one of the uh, older sports cars um, that hasn't had a major refresh in several years, but they seem to be doing a lot more with it and a lot of iterations about it and improving it immensely. So even though it has that V6 engine around uh, 500, mid 500 to over 600 horsepower, depending on what trim level you get, they're still sort of doing an awful lot with it to make it a cool vehicle. Is the track edition that you were driving uh, a cool version of the GTR? Of course. And, you know, I, I drove the GTR when they first brought it to America however many years ago it was. I think it was about 10 years ago. And it blew everybody away. It was unlike anything we'd ever had. And the new one, you know, looks very much like that original one. Uh, the interior hasn't changed all that much. But you're right. They've upped the power. They've upped the price. Uh, the one that I drove uh, did have the 600-horsepower Nismo engine in it. Uh, but it also retailed for about $162,000. Uh, that's a big jump from when it first came out. It was about seventy-five, eighty grand. Right. Uh, but uh, but you get a lot of car. There's no question. It, one of the things about the, the GTR that I always noticed is they've never refined the ride to be comfortable. In fact, your backside does get a little sore after about three hours of driving in that vehicle, but maybe you shouldn't be driving such a high-performance car for three hours. Well, this is also, we have to remember, is this is the track edition. So the track edition is set up as it's called for the track. So it's going to be stiffer. Uh, we noticed that, you know, not only is it stiff, it's also very loud inside. And not so much from engine noise, but road noise. Uh, those tires are very sticky, so they're great for cornering. But, you know, when you're cruising along, you kind of have to yell in order to have a normal conversation in the car. So what, uh, so what so you're telling me... not what, a car that... Would, what you're telling me is that taking the speed bumps in my neighborhood at 45 was not a good idea in this car. No, you got to do it a little faster, and that way you just actually get some air. And when it's in the air, it's quieter. <laughs> you're just uh, <laughs> you're making us all sound really irresponsible, Perry. Yes, we're 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 just kidding, just kidding. We always go, you know, 30 miles an hour everywhere we go. No, the actually the one thing I re the one thing I really like about this car is. While it's it's got the performance of an exotic sports car, the interior is actually pretty comfortable. Uh, they've got these really nice Recaro seats inside, uh, and rather than being those very form-fitting Recaro um, seats that a lot of the high-performance cars have that can actually be a, rather uncomfortable to sit in, these are actually leather-trimmed. They look really nice, and it's comfortable. 
I do, I do notice with these of course. with these vehicles, what they manage to do is things like um, you, you would think that they can't get much more out of engine and out of speed, but every time they do a sort of new addition of this, they can do. And e little things like giving a carbon fiber roof or uh, you know carbon fiber wheels lightens it up enough that you can get considerably more speed and more performance than you did in, in a previous edition. Exactly. I mean, it, and that's what it's all about. I mean, the, it costs a lot of money to create a whole new platform and a whole new uh, vehicle. And, you know, what they've done, what a lot of other com car companies do as well, is they just keep reiterating on this same model. And it's not a bad model at all. I mean, it's very quick. Uh, the the uh, fun thing to do with this car is at a stoplight, if you're first at the stoplight, when the light turns green, you can be at the speed limit and look back in your rearview mirror, and most of the other cars haven't actually moved yet. What was the speed limit? That quick. No. Oh, 40. Okay. 50, uh, 60, something. <laughs> so, so, Perry, uh, one of the complaints about the GTR has always been that it's more like driving a video game than a sports car. With the track edition, do you still have that feeling? See, I don't know that I would call that a complaint. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's something to be said about driving a car. And when I first drove this car 10 years ago, I remember thinking that exact same thing is – it was doing things that a car shouldn't really be able to do. We were going around a track at that time, and the G meter was showing that we were achieving more than one G in the corners, uh, which shouldn't be possible in a streetcar. But, you know, you're right. It, does, it, it doesn't have a lot of the emotion that you would get, say, driving a Lamborghini or something that has a really throaty uh, big engine sound. Uh, this one is very, very much like a computer. It's very technical. Uh, and some, you're, and John's right. Some some drivers have complained that it feels a little cold. It doesn't have much spirit to it. Yeah, yeah um, there's sometimes a the case. There's a reduced sort of uh, connection to the road in this vehicle as well. I think that, I mean, from my experience, it is. Um, it but, makes it. I mean, it makes it easy to drive. I mean, it's point and shoot. I mean, because the all-wheel drive system and the, the very good grip, uh, it doesn't seem to be able to do anything wrong. Now, even though we like to make, we like to think ourselves that we get uh, loaned amazing, uh, sleek performances cars all the time. We do a lot of evaluation of, of family cars and those type of things, and it's it's very rarely that a car comes along that we get to drive that does zero to sixty, you know, three seconds or quicker. Uh, but you can hit it every time out of this. I mean, I know that uh, in my little tests that I was able to hit 60 miles an hour almost like a freeway on-ramp almost instantaneously. It's just no trouble whatsoever. And you can do that on a freeway on-ramp that's curving. I mean, and that's the amazing thing is it doesn't seem to even lean in the corners. It's just, uh, it's it's built for the track. And, you know, it's it would be, if you had to drive this car every day, though, while it would be fun in some cases, if you have to sit in traffic or if it's, uh, you know, if your commute is over bumpy roads, things like that, it may get old. I did. Uh, so I, I don't know that this would make a great everyday car or some of the other cars that have similar performance could do that. When I had this vehicle uh, the same week, I had the Toyota Supra. And people were coming by and stopping and walking down my driveway to take pictures of the GTR Track Edition and not the Supra, which was very hurtful to me because I actually think the Supra was a really—you <laughs> could buy four Supras pretty much for the price. You could buy a GTR Track Edition. 
So now we have. The... I think the GTR still it's it still feels like it's in a video game. I mean, and for people that have, they're still somewhat rare. You don't see them a lot on the road. This particular one was red with black wheels and a black spoiler, so it really stood out. And I also had the same thing. I had people behind me uh, in other cars with their cell phones out taking pictures of it. So now we have the GTR Crack Edition, and we have the GTR Nismo, which is another $65,000. Is the Nismo worth $65,000 more than the Track Edition? I don't think it is anymore because until 20, last year, the Nismo was the most powerful version, and the Track Edition was less power. Uh, for 2020, they've actually put the same engine in both. So you get the 600-horsepower GTR for either one, uh, I'm not certain that the Nismo would be worthwhile. And honestly, I don't know that the track edition with 600 horsepower is that much better than the standard GTR with what is 560, I think, or so. 565 uh, for the standard. Right. I mean, for the average driver, the average driver or even the person who fancies themselves a really good driver, I don't know that you're going to notice that extra 35 horse. Uh, and and the question is, obviously they're refining and refining and refining these motors. Is this going to be the end, the six hundred horsepower, or are they going to be up to seven? And it's a two seater, by the way, and and it's half the weight of something well, like a, ch a Challenger. So it's it's deathly quick on the road. It is. There's no question. I mean, and, and it stands out with styling wise as well. I mean, there isn't anything on the road that looks like it, uh, and it doesn't look like your typical very angled, slanted exotic. So there, it definitely stands out. It's something unique, something interesting. Uh, it's a Nissan. It's going to be reliable, uh, and it's it is a blast. You know, like I think I've put in my review that you know every entrance ramp just puts a smile on your face. Perry Stern is from uh, our auto expert, and he also contributes to MSN Autos. Uh, Perry, uh, will we be able to read a review of this on our auto expert? It is up there. Absolutely. Go take a look. All right. Thank you, Perry. Coming up, we're going to get to talk about the brand new uh, Suburban, which was just released in a time of green cars. Is it a good idea? We'll find out next. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. We are ready to answer your questions about buying a new or used vehicle. I got an interesting fact last week that uh, out of the 44 million vehicles that were purchased in the United States last year, one-third of people wanted to buy a new vehicle but ended up buying a used vehicle because their funds did not reach what they needed to purchase. So that's kind of interesting. You got to turn your mic on, Jen. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. You know, vehicle costs have gone up quite a bit. You but know. there are a lot of uh, inexpensive vehicles. Uh, Nissan has twenty vehicles under twenty thousand dollars now. Mm -hmm. Not twenty. And the one I four just vehicles saw under twenty thousand dollars, I think, is amazing. Uh, what did you go to drive, Jen? The Sentra. Oh, you're so excited about this, aren't you? I am truly excited about this. How car. many have they sold since nineteen eighty-two, Jen? Six million. Oh. I know. Um, all right, so tell me a little bit about the vehicle. Okay, so this one has, it's two inches lower and two inches wider than the original. It also has that V-shaped grille. 
Yeah, the, the motion grill. Yeah, their signature grill. I kind of like it. It's very modern. It, when I look at this car and I stand back, I saw it. It was unveiled, I think, at the New York Internet, uh, the LA International Auto Show back in November this year. When I first saw the vehicle, it looks so much more like a bigger, expensive sedan than it actually is. You know, a lot of times these little car sedans look like, uh, you know, just tin cans it doesn't look like that no not at all in fact when i got there i talked to janelle and i'm like this is so so, so those people that don't know janelle is okay. the uh, pr person for nissan yeah and she's like what do you think and i'm like it is so cute and i'm like what does it start around 38 and she just laughed at me she goes no it's like 19 yeah 19 like, and change kidding me um, the starting price is extremely reasonable, and one of the it things is. that Nissan have been trying to do is put a lot of equipment as standard on those vehicles. All right, so tell us a little bit about the vehicle. Okay, so it has the new boomerang taillights yep. that kind of wrap around. Um, it's got an Audi-inspired interior. I'm surprised they call out someone like Audi for Well, their that's interior. what they told us. Yeah. So That's interesting. Yeah, it was. they had the two-tone cloth seats yep. that look kind of sporty. Yep. I really like those. Um, it had the D-shaped steering wheel with zero-gravity seats. Yeah, these zero-gravity seats are developed in uh, collaboration with NASA, and NASA used these for the space shuttle, so uh, astronauts' backsides don't get pain, you know, get hurt when they're uh, traveling in space. That's awesome. So, um, you know, your seat was direct developed by an astronaut's backside Woo-hoo. with help from, I should say. <laughs> so my okay. one of my favorite cars, the GTR, yeah. they actually took the vents from the GTR and yeah. put those into this vehicle. Oh. There's three big vents across the front. I like that bold look. Um, um, high on safety too. Very. And, oh, and if you get the SR model, it comes with a whole new Bose system. It sounds good. Oh, it's got an amp and everything, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Well, amps are pretty necessary if you want to hear anything. I know. Just let you know. Yeah, thanks. Uh, safety? Yeah, 10 airbags, forward collision warning, driver attention alertness, auto brightness, uh, intelligent trace control, which that's basically when you go around a corner, if you're going too fast, your car will automatically slow it down so you don't slide off the road. Oh. It's pretty interesting technology. Probably wouldn't work for me then. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I can't wait till you, till you get it. Um, it's got the auto braking and then uh, active ride control. All right. So. Um, one of the things I like about uh, Nissan is that they come embedded with like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto as standard. Mm-hmm. And it has both. Um, new engine in this car too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want me to talk about it? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a 2.0 liter. A 2 liter, yeah. Yeah, 2 liter. 2.0. That's all I can remember at the moment. <laughs> 149 horsepower. That's right. Um, 17% more torque, 146 pounds-feet. Uh, it also has 20% more horsepower than the last one. The last one was a bit gutless. This one is actually pretty sexy. Yeah. Uh, 29 city, 39 highway, and that's about 33. Combined. 39 highway is a great fuel economy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Starting for $19,090 on the S trim level and uh, $20,270 on the SV, going up to $21,430 for the SV uh, SVR trim, or SR trim, I think. Okay, I have a funny story to tell yeah. you. You know Banked. Yes, Banked Halverson. Yes, how tall is he? He's like six, seven? Twelve foot tall, something like that. He sat in the front yeah. and the back yeah. and still had lots of clearance. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was like, I'm very comfortable in Ooh, this I'm car. seeing advertising here. Nissan Sentra for giants. And little people. And little people. <laughs> so it worked for you. I did, it did. For I... giants and little people. And they came out with those new colors. The electric blue. Yeah, you know, those colors look great when you see them for the first time. I'm not sure I want to wake up in my driveway no, and see that color. Have you looked at the opening. rosewood gold? 
Uh, <laughs> off of my head, though. Oh my goodness, that's that deep burgundy. It's really pretty. They have a tri-color, uh, tri-paint color system. If you were ever wondering, Chuck Girl Jen is such a girl when it comes to colors. <laughs> I am. Do they have a pink? No. No. I don't want a pink. I don't. Your like sister pink. would want a pink, though. No. 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 My niece. Your niece would want a pink. Yeah. Anyways, this is a beautiful car. All right, coming up the Chicago Auto Show. It's just around the corner. We're gonna get the inside skinny. Find out how much it goes to get to cost to go to the show and what's gonna be there on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. If you'd like to find us on social media, it's our auto expert, and you can join the thousands of fans which uh, get all of our information every single day from the social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and Pinterest, too. Megan, you've been working on Pinterest numbers. Yeah, I've been putting car content on Pinterest. Is so. it my face, too? Some of it's your face. Oh, your profile people. picture is bizarre, though. Is it? On Pinterest, it's probably about 20 years old. I've been meaning to talk to you about it, but... Um. <laughs> no, let's not talk about it on air. I'm slightly scared now. Uh, we missed you, by the way, at Run to the Sun this year. We uh, did Run to the Sun. It was an event in the Northwest with the Northwest Automotive Press Association. Uh, involves about five different states in the Northwest. And the members get to drive around 20-plus cars uh, over two days. You drive them anywhere from about 15 to 30 miles each car. And you swap cars as you do it you've done it before right i have not no. you haven't you've never done it before no boy it's a fun event but i've done another program kind of like that called hills and wheels for women okay and it's a similar concept you just you swap about, cars every time yeah about every 30 minutes you switch cars. oh so for us it was over miles so you drive it on a route and then you all come to the same place at the same time and then you swap cars Andrew Quaylen was there with the 2020 Acura RDX, which uh, is one of my favorite vehicles. Uh, Andrew, the the RDX is actually uh, getting a lot of attention. And uh, since the refresh, you guys have done really well with it, haven't you? It's just been an absolute hit. We we figured it would be. We were pretty seeing the market response. You know, the car's number one in segment, uh, number two SUV in all of luxury. So, I mean, we, we couldn't be more happy. Uh, the other automakers who are not number one in segment probably want to know what's the secret source that Acura have with the RDX. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> well, you know, the, the previous gen w- was a really good seller, um, but it really did so only on rational attributes. It had great cargo space. It was super reliable. It was a safe choice, but it lacked emotion. And so that's really just what we did was we kept all those rational attributes and then we added all the emotion, the really good styling, the uh, awesome features and, and, you know, better colors and all that kind of stuff. And then, boom, once you, got, once you have rational and emotional, it's, it's hard to pass up. You were obviously the co-driver for Run to the Sun. You were the navigator in the passenger seat up front with all these uh, 23 different journalists. You didn't feel nauseous at any time, did you? Sorry, I, I've lost you for a second. I didn't feel, uh, what was that? So I said on Run to the Sun this year with all those 23 different journalists, you sat in the front seat uh, as the co-driver, as the passenger on a lot of these windy, twisty roads through Oregon and Washington. Nobody made you throw up, did they? No, thankfully not. I, I have a pretty good uh, stomach for uh, for cars. I, honestly, I could in the back seat, read the book, and would be fine. So it's a, it's a weird uh, 
ability that I have, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> I would be too, because I've ridden with some of those guys that run to the sun. It's pretty scary. The, let's talk about exterior features of the vehicle. So uh, you, you updated the exterior fe- uh, features of the new RDX for 2020, but you didn't kind of go from the Acura. You didn't walk away from the Acura DNA, or you didn't walk away from the RDX DNA, did you? You kept it there, but still updated it. Yeah, so it's basically, you know, this is our new styling direction. So that that was a big change. Um, we, like I said, we wanted to bring a lot of a lot more emotion to the car. Um, all the next generation of Acuras are going to look like this. It has a little bit of NSX cues in it, which is fantastic. Anytime you can draw um, some connection to your to your Halo supercar is is going to be. It's good for the supercar. It's good for the the core models. Um, but yeah, we we wanted to keep a lot of the uh, you know the aspects that our Acura buyers uh, have come to expect over all the, over all the years and but then be able to draw uh, other other owners from other competitive vehicles and we're doing that interior a lot of people are excited about the new inside of the vehicle too because the updates uh really what this vehicle now puts it you know square ahead or above some of the luxury brands of the united states yeah definitely so uh, you know, the keys there are really the materials um, and, and then the, the experience. You know, what, what, what is the technology like? Everything from just the sounds, you know. So we have a new sound design for this car. All the, all the buttons and the ticks and the, you know, turn signal, all those are, are new and, and a, a heightened experience from our previous cars and, um, you know, equal to or better than some of the other luxury vehicles. The audio system in the car, I know you've listened to it many times, is, is just incredible. All those all those things, the touch points and then those experiences are what buyers are looking for as as a way to differentiate, you know, one car versus another and and we think RDX just really excels there. If you're an audiophile, um you will love this vehicle because at the launch, which was in Canada, we got to sit with Elliot Shiner and those people that like Steely Dan may know him really well. Yeah. He's uh, he's done a bunch of other people, but uh, produced great albums. And Elliot's, uh, we've sort of become, I guess, friends uh, ever since he did the uh, e- e- ELS system in the Acura TS. TL, TL, to say, what TL was yeah, TL, TL was the first one. Yeah, so so that when I met him in Virginia, and we've talked on the phone several times since that event, um, and he is actually one of the most interesting people for car sound design because you sit in a vehicle. You put something on in the vehicle, and a lot of time people will stream it from their phone, or they will, you know, use something to. Perhaps they'll use a uh, their phone or a device to stream the music from. But Elliot won't do that. He wants to plug in a USB because he the stuff that you stream off your phone is so low quality. He wants you to hear every yeah. single note, and then. I expected him to be a self-promoter, to be a flag waver, to be, hey, look at me. Uh, Here's one of the songs I produced. But instead, he actually played a Bonnie Raitt song, which he didn't have anything to do with, but he felt showed off the best sound in the vehicle. And I will tell you, I have never experienced audio sound in a vehicle like I did in the RDX with him. It was just incredible. He puts, you know, the speakers in the roof. He did all the tuning. And he said, I 
I, for a lot of these songs, I was there in the original recording. I was in the studio when Smashing Pumpkins recorded this album. I was in the studio where Steely Dan recorded this album, and I know what it sounded like then, and I wanted the car to sound exactly like it did when I was in the studio. And that experience, I mean, I'd, I've never experienced anything like that. Do you think it is probably the most premium audio in a car available today? Well, we think so, yeah. I mean, there, there's classic audio systems pretty much in it. And, uh, you know, diamonds in the speakers and crazy stuff like that. Um, and, and the good hardware, you know, isn't the hard part. The hard part is making sure the speakers are put in the right place and then tuning them once they're there. Um and so um, having Elliot involved is, is what I think really makes our system so special because Elliot's in there day one in the development, you know, five years before the car goes on sale. Right. And you mentioned, you mentioned the speakers and the headliner in the RDX, and that's a great example because where those speakers are, you know, we have a panoramic moonroof in every single RDX, and then there's obviously curtain airbags up there too. So it's really valuable real estate. And, I know that they tried quite a few times to get rid of the speakers. They were like, hey, great idea, but it's just going to be too hard. We need that space. It's too complex. And, and Elliot and others you know, put a foot down and they said, no, we need this. Let's do it. And, and they fought for it and kept the speakers up there. And then once, once you know where the speakers are, you can do all the tuning magic when you have an ear like Elliot, who, like you said, he was in the studio with Steely Dan, so he knows – I know that particular guitar riff. I know that what, what they wanted it to sound like, and I can replicate that in the car. He does all the tuning, which takes, you know, hundreds of hours, I'm sure. Gets it all done. Boom. The car sounds incredible, like you said. So I, there's a lot of good audio systems out there, but when you have an ear like Elliot and his kind of magical touch, it's, it's kind of hard to compete with. Very impressed. Uh, Honda are the largest maker of engines, I think, in the world. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. When you take into account, you know, scooters and, and motorcycles and all those kind of things, yeah, and all of the probably other power tools that you guys do. So yeah. the engine, yep. obviously, uh, Acura being the premier uh, luxury company for Honda, uh, the premium company for Honda automobiles. Obviously, you wanted to put a great engine in the RDX. Uh, so, what are the engine and transmission? Yeah, of course. So this is a, an all-new engine transmission and all-wheel drive system. The entire powertrain is new for this generation car. It's a 2-liter uh, turbo um, paired with a 10-speed automatic. It's the only 10-speed in the segment. And then the all-wheel drive system is our super-handling all-wheel drive. And that's uh, another uh, technology that we really hang our hat on. It's uh, true torque vectoring. Um, and so not only um, does that you know send power to a wheel if it does slip, but even beyond that, proactively, it will distribute power across the rear wheels um, to really elevate the cornering experience. So you get a really good handling vehicle, hence why we call it super handling. So it, uh, it, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's, it, we, it, it's certainly uh, a step above anything else in the segment, and um, we're, we're proud of it. We put it it's on... Um, all of our models, factory models that have all-wheel drive, that is what we offer is super handling. It's just our default all-wheel drive system for the brand, and it, it's uh, it's just fantastic technology. So the 2-liter turbo, the 10 AT, and that super handling just all together is just a fantastic pairing. I will tell you that the uh, Acura Super Handling All-Wheel Drive System is probably my favorite to drive in snow and bad weather. It's absolutely flawless. Uh, 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to our auto expert on the phone with us, Andrew Quillen. He is from Acura. We're talking about the new RDX for 2020. Is it safe, Andrew? Oh my gosh! Of course, yeah. Uh, it has. I was uh, setting the uh, pins up for you there, buddy. You're supposed to knock them down at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it has uh, top safety pick from uh, IHS and uh, you know, five star across the board. Yeah, the, the cars. I, I, you caught me off guard because I was like, "Well, yeah, of course the car's safe." So <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, um, default for for any product that we're making is is just top of class safety. Now, even down to your, the, the actual physical structure of the shell that goes around the driver and the passengers, you guys want to make sure that that shell uh, protects them the best it possibly can. I know that uh, the body structure of every Acura out there is absolutely flawless as well. Uh, let's talk about the favorite features of the vehicle. What is yours? Ooh, um, that is a... Tough one. I I want to say probably the audio system. Yeah. Um, That's mine, by the way. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I know we kind of already touched on it, but yeah. Uh, just all in all, I mean, it really is. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud that I get to you know that I'm working with Acura that I get to drive drive the car on a regular basis. But I mean, it really is a car. Thankfully, I don't need to you know buy write a check for one myself personally. But right. the day I do, it it's a car I will buy. You know, without question, without hesitation. It's just it's the right you know it's the right size it's sporty it's sporty enough carries enough stuff it's good for the dog it's good for the family i mean it's it's just a great car all around. It's one of my favorite cars for dogs, too. The, the way you have the trunk and all, this, all the space set up in the trunk is you can still get stuff into the trunk if you have a dog. All right, finally, availability and price. So, uh, yeah, uh, the car's readily available. Dealers have them in stock. Uh, it is um, just under $38,000. Um, if you get the all-wheel drive system, you know, you're looking at uh, it's $2,000 for super handling, which I highly recommend. The sweet spot is right at 45000 That's the A-spec trim. That has uh, all our sports styling package, so you get darked out. Uh, the, the chrome, uh, they uh, are blacked out. You get 20-inch wheels, and you get nice. a, a bunch of uh, additional features inside. You get that good audio system. I love it. Get, uh, Andrew Quellen from Acura, thank you for joining us to talk about the new 2020 RDX. Coming up, we're going to talk about Nike and what they're doing with VW. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen, and we are talking about uh, some interesting things that are happening in the industry. Uh, I have noticed a trend of car companies becoming more sustainable with taking some organic parts and some recycled parts and using them inside of cars. Ford is probably the leader in this with their soy seats and recycled water bottles for the interior. Mazda also trying to do things like use mushrooms to make car parts. But there is a new chapter with Ford and McDonald's. And uh, Debbie's joining us from Ford to talk about McDonald's joining forces with Ford to use coffee bean waste in car parts. Now, Debbie, the first question has got to be, (laughs) what happens when it rains? Do they wash away? No, no, no. So we're using the coffee staff, which is the skin from uh, when the, you roast coffee beans, a, a really fine skin peels off of it. 
and so that skin is mixed with plastic and then molded into parts. Okay, so we're good. replacing a very heavy mined uh, mineral that we used to use with a very lightweight coffee chat. So we're reducing the part weight by 25%. All right. So what sort of car parts, is, um, or unless it's still a secret, are you going to use this in? Where will, we, where will we find this inside the car? Yeah, so we're excited. There's no secret here. Um, we are going to start putting this on the headlamp housing. So the backing of the headlamps on the Lincoln Continental to start. And then we have a migration plan to roll out to other vehicles as well. The reason we picked a headlamp housing is because two light bulbs go through that housing and they create a lot of heat. And this material actually has better heat performance, higher 20 degrees Celsius heat performance improvement compared to the old material we were using. I have a question for you. Is What color is it? I mean, did you guys change the color? Is it still like that dark brown or... That's an awesome question. I don't think anybody's asked that question. So we generally take our plastic and we add carbon black to it. Okay. And in this case, it is a very, very dark brown, um, almost black as well. But with certain really high lights, you can see the coffee color in the background. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Debbie, so I think it's really- if I go to my Lincoln that has this part in it. Are you going to start and, licking the headlamp? No, stop. <laughs> and I go to the hood, and I open the hood, and I put my head under the hood, and I take a long, deep sniff. <laughs> will I smell coffee? You will not. Oh. I know. I love coffee, so I'm the first to say, ah, oh, give me coffee smell. Is it? But um, unfortunately, when we process the material, all of the odor is removed. And, but that does allow us to use this lightweight, robust material in the future for interior applications because we do sell to a, an occasional customer that doesn't like the smell of coffee. I'm disappointed in the lack of <laughs> tastes there are and smells there are in these cars when organic parts are used. <laughs> I want to be able to lick things. and no, I don't <laughs> See, <really>. told you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I'm disappointed that we can't go a little bit more crazy uh, because there seems to be more and more organic parts being used in cars. Are you, uh, you know, Debbie, are you experimenting with other things in the future? Are you looking at other materials that could be used? Uh, Maybe you're looking for other applications for coffee or other organic materials? Yeah, so I've I've been at this for 20 years in the lab. I'm actually the person that launched Soy Foam into the Ford Mustang in 2007. It's now on every vehicle Ford makes. We Congratulations. Have Thanks. We have wheat straw bins on our cars. We have rice hulls under hood components. So that's after the food portion of rice is removed, the hull is left over. It also has good heat properties. So we have it under hood in the F-150. We've had coconut fiber, um, cellulose from trees last year. So we've been really, really focused on this effort of using plant-based above-the-ground waste material. Uh, but this is the first one where we're actually working with another major industry and another big company like McDonald's. So we're excited about circular economy and the future where we exchange um, materials that are off all from our processes with each other instead of landfilling. Take me through the process. How does the coffee bean start? Where does it start and how does it end up in the Ford? Yeah, so McDonald's is a big, big coffee supplier, over a billion cups of coffee a year, two and a half million cups a day. So they grow their coffee in Brazil, Colombia, Guatemala, Costa Rica, 
many, many coffee plantations. The beans are shipped to many roasters. The roasters, when they're roasting, they generate the chaff as a side product because the bean sort of peels during the high heat process and the chaff is left in pretty much the form that we need it. Then it's shipped to our um, materials supplier called Competitive Green Technologies in Ontario, Canada. They do some processing, some chemical magic to compound it with plastic and make pellets. And then Varrock, um, a headlamp supplier, molds the part for us. So it's kind of a long process. And, you know, our dream is to make these um, not ship the materials all over the place, keep them in, at least we kept them within North America this time, um, but to keep them local in the very end, use what's agriculturally available right where we're assembling the car. All right. I mean, I, I'm kind of excited about uh, all these different things doing it. I think we probably need to get uh, all of these things together and uh, put them all in piles so we can see what starts and then eventually what ends up in the car as well. I'm glad, I, I've am i probably got a few suggestions for you, too, that things that you should okay. be using. I want to be able to smell uh, uh, deep-fried food and strawberries, too. Uh, I no. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, who came up with this idea? I mean, did somebody just say, hey let's try a coffee bean in the car i mean these are some amazing things you guys come up with we are a group that loves to have fun in the laboratory Good. believe it or not scientists like to have fun and i always have a cup of coffee attached to me so it was startling one day i walked into the lab with this big big mug looked at it and said hey there's got to be waste here there's got to be something you know so the team I don't know why they listened to me, but they went away, <laughs> they started to explore, and they came back and said, you know, what about chaff? And um, so they, you know, thought about that as a waste product. We contacted McDonald's, and they were super enthusiastic because, really, there's not many things you can do with chaff. And right. so a lot of times it gets lit on fire to get rid of it. Why not use it for some durable product? All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, arriving in uh, Fords and Lincolns of the future. Debbie from Ford, who is the uh, senior technical leader of, uh, of their very brilliant program now in which we're using McDonald's coffee. Coming up, more stuff on Our Auto Expert. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show and uh, on our website. Autoexpert.com, hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, one of the things that is starting to happen, it may be due to uh, the government or costs of transportation, but a lot of car companies have started to manufacture vehicles in the United States. Uh, these car companies include uh, Toyota, Mazda, Subaru. They The first one to ever get uh, the Subaru uh, production going, or the first Subaru ever to be produced, it's uh, Lafayette, Indiana is where they produce a lot of the Subarus, uh, was the Legacy. And of course, there's a new Legacy now uh, made in Lafayette. So a lot of cars are made in the United States in the South, which is kind of cool. Uh, car companies are opening new factories. Toyota are working with Mazda to open a joint factory in the next few months. 
um, well, start building it, I guess, in the next few months. It won't open for about three years' time. Uh, they're going to start to build that. So a lot of car companies deciding that manufacturing in the United States is better. We also watched a lot of manufacturers move their production from Mexico back to the United States, uh, which is kind of good for the company, good for the country, I guess. The idea being that uh, they have access to all the parts which are built in the United States here in the factories. Uh, even companies like Honda have built several factories in Ohio. And one of the things that you can do in Ohio where they built the factories, it's basically four hours to uh, any major city or any major rail line in the United States from where they built their factories right in the middle. Now, one of the reasons I've asked many times is why are vehicles built where they're built? Perhaps it could they could be built um, in Oregon or Washington or, or on the West Coast. Well, one of the things is that imagine things like tires. So car tires are made in Georgia, uh, wherever they're made, they have to be shipped to the factory to be put on the wheels. And so one of the things with car tires is, why would you ship car tires all the way to the West Coast, then put them on a vehicle, and then ship the vehicle all the way back to the East Coast, where about 60% uh, of the vehicles are built. So it, interestingly enough, most vehicles are actually built on the, uh, on the East Coast. One of the new vehicles that is built on, on the East Coast uh, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, is the new cross, uh, well, the new VW. So we are familiar with the Atlas. You've driven the Atlas, uh, yes. Jen? You've, you've driven the Atlas, uh, familiar with the Atlas. Mm -hmm. They came out with a new version of the Atlas called the Cross Sport. And joining us on the phone, Tommy Micah is uh, here from the Fast Lane Car. And Tommy and I went to see the vehicle unveiled at the Chattanooga factory. Um, there was an, an awful lot of politicians and applauding, Tommy, wasn't there, when they unveiled this vehicle? Yeah, Nick, it was pretty nuts. I mean, it, it felt like they were unveiling a new Capitol building and uh, less of a new vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I always think it's interesting when you have, for instance, the the governor of Tennessee was there, Mr. Lee, and as soon as as soon as you you know anyone mentions his name, he would stand up and wave to the crowd. How cute! And they mentioned his name like eight times before they actually introduced <laughs> him. So. He kept standing up, and then they have to. Every time a different politician got up to uh, to talk on stage, he had to get come on stage and shake hands with everyone that was already on stage. And so that you know that took twenty minutes. Of course, not really, but it felt like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're here to talk about the vehicle, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, this is an interesting segment, Tommy. So there are things like the Honda um, Passport, which is in this segment. The Yep. Um, I guess what else? The, the Ford uh, Edge is in this segment. This is sort of the is big enough to have a third row, but has a two row. And the crossboard is taken off the Atlas, and instead of having three rows, they made it uh, gave it a coupe back end and decided to give it two rows. Um, so it's, it's more like your wagon style. Yeah, it, it, sort yep. of. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say that it, this is for a different lifestyle. But I don't think sales have been that hot in this segment, have they? So you get a big SUV that doesn't have the third row. Uh, things like the the Passport and the Edge, uh, they, they sell okay, but they're not big, big sellers, are they? Well, and the vehicle they kept coming back to in the uh, presentation was the Grand Cherokee. And, you know, the Grand Cherokee has been one of America's staples for hauling families across country, you know, for, uh, you know, well over 20, 25 years now. So Volkswagen, I think, wants part of that market. And an affordable way to do that is instead of coming up with 
an entirely new platform. They took the Volkswagen Atlas, and, and just like you mentioned, it's on the same wheelbase, it's the same basic vehicle, but rather than having kind of a more traditional squared-off rear end, they, they added some sportiness to it. So it's got a new steering wheel over the Atlas, it's got a different front end, you know, it's got standard uh, large wheels, I believe they're 20s or 21s, which is, which is a, a really big wheel. So, so basically what they did is, is they, they took the Atlas formula and they kind of just desegmented it into a smaller class. I think the 20s are standard, the 21s are available. The other thing that they've sort of done is they've given away what the new Atlas would look like because what yes. they've changed in the this this vehicle, what they changed in the Cross Sport is probably what they're going to do in the in the regular Atlas when it comes around. So new front end, new back end, new steering wheel, um, new software, those type of things. So it's kind of like uh, when they show the new Atlas, the new three-row, which will probably be next year sometime, it's kind of like a... Or already seen it in the crossboard. Uh, do you do you think that this is going to be a big seller for for VW? You know, it's such a competitive class right now. I mean, I, I like to think that the uh, the rising tide kind of raises all ships. So, as more and more Americans switch from sedans to SUVs, that uh, the market just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But the question is, can they uh, regain market share from you know big players like the Ford Edge and the new Grand Cherokee? And we've seen you know mules running around of, of the new Grand Cherokee and even the larger Wagoneers. So it's going to be a, it's going to be hard to attract buyers. And honestly, Nick, I don't really know why you would buy the Atlas Crossport over the standard Atlas because in person, it's an absolutely massive car. It, it rides on, like I, I mentioned, the same platform. So at some point I figured just get the seven feeder one. You can use it as a five feeder if you want, but you have that added versatility when you need it. I am right with you on that page. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the crossboard. I think it looks good, uh, but I think also that why do it? And unless the price is considerably different, and we don't know that price quite yet because uh, we haven't right. driven it. That's the one thing we haven't done, and we haven't uh, we haven't got sort of the basic coming to market details on the vehicle as well. I think overall the seven-seater versions of these vehicles, like the Subaru Ascent, like the Telluride from Kia, like the Palisade from Hyundai, uh, that is probably an even more crowded segment. But uh, going to five-seater, and then I also consider this, Tommy, when I look at it, is that Ford have an ST version of the Edge, where uh, there is just um, kind of the V6 or the four-cylinder engines in this. The, the the Sports or the R version of this will only have trim level improvements and no engine improvements, well, this, right? It says, yeah, it has two engines. Yeah. And so then its towing capacity is 5,000. Right, but there's no right. there's no ST version, right. and even which there is in the Ford. I, although... I think the ST version, the Edge, I don't know if you'd agree, Tommy, is is interesting but not necessary. Well, Nick, it, it, does it matter when Jeep has a 707-horsepower Grand Cherokee? Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're talking price point, you yeah. know. So, right, of course. Yeah. But I would rather have pay $96,000 for a Jeep Trackhawk <laughs> than I would for I buy two five-seater five uh, Atlas Crossboards. Wouldn't you, Jim? Yeah, and, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and if, the one they showed at, in Chattanooga was the R-Line. You know, and they, they're debuting, we should also mention, a new logo and also a new R-Line badge on this model. But it still has the same 276 horsepower, 3.6 V6 as, as an Atlas or a standard. So, I mean, it, it looks like a, a more sporty version, but 
we'll be curious to see down the road, um, you know, are they going to electrify it? Or are they going to somehow add more performance? I think they, they do have the capacity to do that. Will they do it? Um, probably only if this one sells. Tommy, where can we uh, watch your videos? Yeah, for sure. We're on YouTube, TFL Car, the fast lane car. And we also have a website, tflcar.com. All right. Tommy's awesome. Uh, go watch some of his videos because they're highly entertaining. Tommy <laughs> Micah from the Fast Lane Car, thanks for joining us on our Auto Expert today. The vehicle will go on sale uh, sometime towards the end of the year, the beginning of next year. You'll be able to uh, go test drive it for yourself if you're looking for a five-seater large SUV with a sexy sport back. More coming up on our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated, all the way from the northwest to the southeast. This is Our Auto Expert. Uh, you can also check us out online at ourautoexpert.com. You can check us out on your smart speaker. You can check us out on your phone. You can download the podcast. You can see all the videos from various TV segments that we do around the country. There is a lot of information about cars. Some of the information is very complicated, and we're going to try and make it even more complicated for you because our listeners, uh, depending on what city you live in, may be paying more money for your electric vehicles. If it's electrified or electric, plug-in electric, hybrids, uh, things are changing for 2020, and there are new state taxes, there are new state registration fees, some car companies on a federal level will be losing, uh, Tesla is ramping down. It's uh, its incentives for its vehicles. Is it zero now, John? It's zeroed out now. All right, zero as of January 1st? I believe so. All right, so uh, Tesla, you know, people are losing because they've uh, produced so many electric vehicles. So uh, things are changing. Illinois, as of January 1st, 2020, EV owners will now have to pay the new year uh, the registration of $251. Which, uh, you know, I just registered my Nissan Titan brand new truck. It was $358. So, I mean, I'm... Did you have to pay that every year? No, that was just okay, registering so a new vehicle. Okay, so this is every year. Right. And to be honest with you, how much money are you going to save? Are you going to buy 75 cents on, on, on gas? They don't get any gas tax. I can see why they're putting up the registration fees and somewhat. Well, if it's a hybrid, they're still right, getting state, gas tax. State doesn't get as much... Correct. money off the gas tax and how much money do you save by having a hybrid probably a lot more well look at so. it this way if you have a car that gets 48 miles per gallon mm -hmm. it's going to pay half the gas tax in the same distance that you've driven as a car that has 24 miles per gallon right you know i i get it i mean i get it there's there's still lots of arguments to be had over how much you can save and whether this is the right thing to do I think that ultimately all these states are offering incentives, and I think sometimes these incentives are going to come out of this money as well. Uh, you have to register these vehicles where it's going to cost you more to register them, especially in Illinois. Illinois is not a really big state for electric vehicles. They're sort of on pace with the rest of the country. I know that um, states like Indianapolis are working really hard to try and electrify the state. They uh, blew Indy. Uh, where you can you go you drive through Indianapolis you see all these new charging stations called Blue Indy they're they're doing the the cars a lot of electrified stations there so there are some states that are really into it Texas I don't think I I know one person in Texas with a with an electric car uh, which is different Washington State the annual seventy five fee uh, car tab fee for uh, electric charging stations uh, that you know it doesn't matter if you use it or not 
you're going to have to pay that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Now, that's additional right. on top of your regular registration. So it's an additional $75 a year. Yeah, the Washington fee, the way that it was presented, doesn't make a lot of sense because they're charging it on just hybrid vehicles as well. And they're saying it's for charging station infrastructure, which normal hybrid vehicles cannot use. Right. Um, only plug-in hybrids. And then Oregon has probably the most complicated law um, because you can opt for this uh, certain plan where you report your mileage and you pay depending on the mileage you have driven. Uh, that's an option that you can get. You can get uh, free uh, for vehicles that get 0 to 19 miles a gallon. The increase is $18 a year, bringing the registration costs of the passenger vehicles to uh, 60, $86. Um, then $122 for two years. Vehicles with uh, a rating between 20 and 39 miles per gallon would have a 23 annual increase, bringing that fee to $132 for uh, two years. Um, unfortunately, I'm probably going to be in the, uh, in, the, in the lower miles per gallon of the most of the vehicles that I drive, under 20 miles a gallon. I don't know about you, John. Um, well, <laughs> depending on how you drive, uh, well, I what it's rated at the, the window sticker, yes, yeah. So, uh, it, it does really whack a lot of uh, people who live rurally in Oregon who have to drive big trucks for work, uh, those type of things. They're definitely going to be in the lower levels, but it's not a huge amount of money. Um, and only an increase, a fairly $18 a year increase is not a huge amount, $23 is a year is not a huge amount. Uh, of increase but still an increase and we like to moan about the more money we have to pay for our vehicles because uh, it's our right as americans to be able to drive vehicles and on the flip side of all this stuff is yes you see some increased registration fees for evs plug-in hybrids and um, pure electric vehicles but if you buy a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric vehicle you're generally going to get some pretty hefty tax refunds that will offset those additional registration fees. Yeah, and I think plus, you know, your registration fee, depending on how the vehicle is registered, can often be tax deductible because if it's a business, it's a business expense. So you've got to look at it that way. Uh, I would just say uh, that we should be thankful. And, and they're probably losing more money in gas tax anyway because I'm not having to pay that now. Coming up, we'll talk about top five SUVs with John Vincent. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on every kind of social media there is, you can start a conversation with our auto expert. Uh, so auto show season starts with L.A. in the fall. And they used to go L.A., Detroit, Chicago, New York, Pebble Beach, with their five big shows. But there is Detroit has been vacant for 18 months, so... That's sort of uh, evaporated. Um, but it's coming back uh, to talk about auto shows and all things automotive. Joining us on the phone is Mike Cordell. Uh, first of all, do you have a trip to fan hangover? No, no trip to fan hangover. <laughs> but what social media? I heard you talking about that a second ago. The, I don't, I don't, the, I'm not familiar. The social medias? The Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams? <laughs> it's, a series of yeah, man. it's a series of tubes that are wired together. Okay. No tryptophan on this side of the country. No, what? Why, you no. don't have to? You well, don't we did have... get some Nashville. We've got friends in town, and we went and took them to get some Nashville hot chicken. And I'll tell you, they're like, wow, this stuff is hot. And I said, it's called Nashville hot chicken. Did pe do people celebrate the holidays differently in Nashville? Um, no, they don't. They It's all the same here. Um, 
I would say that what's interesting here is that there's a lot of Friendsgiving. So, you know, the holidays are, hey, I'm just going to share it. It's going to be fun. Uh, so Christmas Day, we're new. We're new to Nashville. We've got family in town from Minnesota. So my, my brother and sister-in-law, they're two boys. And then at 2 o'clock, our neighbors just came over. And then midnight came around, and both neighbors were at our house, and we were playing games, and it was a good time. So there, it's like a crash party friend, Friendsgiving Christmas. And so people came over to say Merry Christmas, and you know, 12 hours later, we're still enjoying each other's company. A few bottles have disappeared, and we're into the holiday spirit. Wait, do you have free? Is, so maybe that's the attraction. Do you have a big liquor cabinet you brought from California? <laughs> it might be there might be some some special special cocktail uh drinks that we brought with us but for the most part it's uh, it was just a good time really I, nice holiday i i think i'm suspicious that your national neighbors made up the friends giving because they knew you had california liquor in the house i'm just saying well i will Napa share <laughs> i'll share this one piece with you jen our neighbor to the left uh he is a professional single skier and just got back from the Ukraine where he was teaching the Ukrainian ski team how to single ski for the upcoming Olympics, giving them wow. all these and pointers. And so he brought back this special liquor, if you will, and, and it was it was captivating to say the least. It tastes like spruce trees. <laughs> Ooh, sounds delicious. All right, this is a car show. We should probably talk about cars. Uh, so no Detroit Auto Show this. Well, there was no Detroit Auto Show last year either, but there's, again, no Detroit Auto Show in uh, in January. No Detroit Auto Show in January. Thank goodness. Um, getting bundled up every morning to go over to the auto show, albeit is tradition. I am looking forward to a June cycle of the Detroit Auto Show where we will be outside enjoying cars for what they are, on pavement with some cruising. I know that all of our coverage, Nick, will be outside as well. We're doing stuff from the show floor, but there's going to be a lot more things happening outside of the show floor, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I will tell you that if uh, people was like, well, what's wrong with an auto show in January in Detroit? If you've never been to Detroit in January, I mean, we've had a few years where we, it was very pleasant. But there's nothing like standing out waiting for your Uber outside of the auto show and feeling the life escape from your body. It's Chicago's <laughs> that way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just Chicago, remember. Chicago, a little history. A little history for you. So the reason the Detroit Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show, was hosted in January was actually pushed by the dealers. So after Christmas, it's cold and snowing outside. The auto industry goes into a little bit of a slump from a sales standpoint. So to spur early sales into the new year, they created the auto show, one, to create an entertainment feature that pulls people into uh, downtown Detroit. Two, it gives them a chance to look at some of the newest cars coming to market. And three, it allows the dealers to tie into the process to where in the, in the near future, uh, somebody that's looking for a car, they'll be in a better position to do it. All right. And uh, now it's moving to the summer. I, I guess people shop for cars all year round. Um, what will change in a summer Detroit show? I mean, I know not many uh, details have been released, but at a guess, what will tra- change? This is, of course, not only the Detroit show, but they bill it as the North America, uh, North American Auto Show. Sure. I think my biggest concern right now for the Detroit Auto Show happening now in June as opposed to January is going to be the, the lack of cars on carpet. I think a lot of the manufacturers are going to want to take some things outside 
Um, but I think there's a positive with that as well. I think that a lot of the automakers will get into experiential marketing where they use the show floor to pull people in. And in order to pull people in, they can then turn them outside to test drive cars. So I think you'll get a great experiential uh, opportunity. And I think the city will come alive. People will want to do things outside. Automakers have never been able to host outside programming. This will be a first. It could change the industry. Um, I'm hoping, in a sense, too, that uh, it reinvigorates the Detroit auto industry because even though a lot of car companies have sort of moved away from Detroit or Detroit isn't the, the biggest center, it still is the biggest, although it's not the only center of automotive now. I mean, Nissan in Nashville, still quite a lot of guys in California, um, the, the VW group now in Washington, D.C. So there's a lot of people that have moved sort of away from Detroit being a center, but there's still a lot of research and development for all these companies in Detroit, too. Absolutely correct. And I think one thing that will be great about the auto show now being uh, in the June timeframe is is the automakers, especially the big three, so your FDA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, Ford, and then, uh, of course, um, you know, the team over General Motors, it's going to give them an opportunity to really showcase some new products this year. And I think that's kind of the big talking point is what's coming in store for 2020. I think we're really looking forward to seeing the Ford Bronco, which we've talked about before on air. We're looking forward to the new Ford Mach-E. Um, and then you've got some, some luxury and, and you know SUVs coming out. You're going to see more from Rivian this year, uh, which I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more about. A lot of new SUVs and a lot of supercars will be hitting the market in 2020. Um, top down, so it'll be a really good year to see some cool cars on the market. Let's let's talk about the Bronco because this is one of uh, the biggest. Uh, I guess topics of discussion that we hear about all the time on uh, questions that come in through social media and through emails. Everybody wants to know when are we going to see the new Ford Bronco. So let, let's talk about it a little bit. Initially, it was supposed to be released at the uh, LA Auto Show in the fall this year. Then it was supposed to be uh, its own standalone event in January. Uh, we have been told that New York is probably not an option. Do, do we know whereabouts and when we will see the new Bronco? We don't know where and when. Here's what I here's what I'm I'm up to telling you is that I've seen it, um, and and that's about as far as I can go. Here's the deal: in order for Ford to be successful with the Ford Bronco, they have to be able to keep, compete with Jeep and the Rubicon. There's no question that with whatever vehicle they bring to market, they have to bring a, a vehicle to market that can go off roading and be functional off road, be able to compete off road. So I think Ford is, is purposely ensuring that all elements of this vehicle and this product line are ready to hit the market. You have to hit two different audiences with the Bronco. You have to hit the purists, those that own Ford Broncos, myself being one. Then you have to hit the Jeep buyer and be in a position to pull them away from what they know on the Jeep side or a potential new Jeep buyer into the Bronco market. So expect to see big things with the Bronco when it comes to market in 2020. Uh, are we going to see a number of – so we know that initially that there's one that was based off of the f one fifties type size and, and a smaller one which was based off the uh, the small truck, uh, which you know, obviously Ford uh, came out with a couple of years ago. Are we expecting to, to see uh, a two and a four door in both sizes or a two door in one and a four in another or what's the sort of sizes? Because there's a Bronco and a mini Bronco that have been talked about. So if you go online and Google the Ford Bronco R, this is the one, this is the race version that was showcased at the SEMA show this year. You can pull definitely some design skews from, or cues from that vehicle. As far as size goes, 
we saw a baby Bronco at an LA, a Los Angeles or a, pardon me, Las Vegas dealer program kind of gave you an idea that they might have two different versions uh, of the Bronco. I, I'm not at 100% liberty to share. I'm under NDA, uh, having seen the vehicle in person. Uh, but I would expect to see a couple different cons- conceptual uh, ideas around the Bronco when they bring it to market to, to capture multiple audiences. Um, all right, so I'm hoping for two sizes. There was a program I went to about a year and a half ago where they showed the Bronco, uh, sort of some early concept designs, and at that point there was a small and a larger one. So we're going to hold our breath uh, to see if that actually You're going to see something like that. Yeah, and uh, and then, of course, a two and a four-door makes a lot of sense. Do you think the Bronco competes with the Defender, Land Rover Defender, a sort of a non-luxury version of Land Rover Defender? Yeah, so, I, I mean, this is my take on it, is that if you're going to be into the off-road market and you're a purist and enthusiast, you're going to look at a Jeep, right? That's going to be the first one in, in line because you have that Dana 44 uh, up front. You have a functional off-road vehicle with four-wheel drive. You will consider the Bronco. I think the Defender is going to be pricing itself out of market. That's my, my only concern with the Defender. I'm excited to see it. I saw, I saw a version of it at the LA Auto Show. What, what I think the problem is going to be is it's going to price itself out of market. It'll be for a certain type of off-roader, but I'm not too worried about their sales. They'll, they'll crush it with sales with that vehicle because it has so much history and tradition. Now, wait a second. So we're talking about the Bronco itself uh, pricing-wise. You know, Defender's sort of between fifty dollars and $80,000, and it's a luxury vehicle, obviously, a Land Rover and extremely capable. So presumably the Bronco is, I mean, I would expect it to start somewhere in the mid-30s, similar to the, the Jeep Wrangler, and go up to somewhere in around $60,000, which is clearly well-marked into the Defender landscape. Agree, but I always look at starting price first. Right? So Defender is not going to start in the $30,000 range. You think the... the I just look at entry-level prices. The Defender is going to start higer than that? No, no, Defender's, so defenders that, 50 to 80. So Defender yeah, is 50 so to looking, 80. So, but, but I'm saying if Bronco starts in the mid-30s, whereas the Wrangler is, we'd expect that to, to be there, the mid-30s, as a starting price, a base price. It would probably go up to, I think the top Wrangler is like 65 for the diesel fully loaded. Um, so that's not that far from $80,000, which is the top end of the, of the Defender. So it, it's it, not. There's it's gonna not. Be some I think my point is cut the, the ability to customize, right? So you can start with a 30, 30, mid $30,000 Jeep, and you can put wheels on tires on it and feel like an off-roader, but not be an off-roader. All right. Well, I mean, my breath is, do you think they've overshot it? Because I do remember with, like, uh, for instance, the Volt, the Chevy Volt, V-O-L-T, they had pictures of that thing like 10 years before it actually came out. Do you think the, the, right. the Ford are pushing the, the window of the Bronco? We've been talking about it for what? Yes. They've, they've been talking about it for two and a half years. Everybody else has oh. been talking about it for five years. I mean, I'm getting tired. Uh, we're all tired. It's like, put up or shut up. Bring the vehicle to market. Everyone wants to see the Bronco. We know that they're trying to get it right, but at some point you just have to pull the silks off the car, show it to the people, give them what you want. In in the world of the old Broncos, uh, you think the price of the old Broncos is going to drop or go up when the new one comes out? Already going significantly up, probably about four years in now. The Bronco early Bronco price. If you have an early Bronco and you're a listener to this show, 
save it, hold on to it, keep it. It's just going to go up in price. All right, good stuff to know. Mike Cordell, you can uh, see his videos. Uh, he got to spend some time in that concept Bronco at the SEMA show. You can see that video at Our Auto Expert. You can see all of his other videos at Our Auto Expert from his TV appearances. Uh, good luck on Fox & Friends tomorrow morning. We will have more Our Auto Expert coming up in a little while. Uh, we also are going to show you some new car stuff that is hopefully going to make your mouth drop somewhat and you'll be excited about. Plus, the Genesis G80 and Anton Warman. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 